That's the sound of the coffee pouring. Welcome to the Doctor's Brew. I'm your host, Dr. Abdelaziz Al-Khayyab. And having coffee with us today is Dr. Mohamed Al-Fadala. Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, well, mine. Now, the, the topic of today is going to be how to m- make the most out of your trainee year or intern year. Uh, specifically to Kuwait, just in case we have uh, any listeners abroad, we're going to be focusing a little bit on uh, intern year in Kuwait. Uh, now, before we get into this very interesting topic, let's talk about our coffee. Very important, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are we drinking today? We're having uh, an iced Americano from Caribou. Iced Americano from Caribou. And uh, one thing about Caribou, I just found out that it's uh, Canadian. Yeah, it is. I had no idea. Well, this is going to link up a little bit to our topic today because, uh, as most of our listeners know, uh, most Kuwait, uh, Kuwaitis who go abroad for medical training end up in Canada. So, yeah, very apt. Yes. And it's already dripping onto the table. All right. <laughs> mm. So, uh, Dr. Mohamed, who I'm now going to refer to as Justin Mohamed. Again, it feels awkward to keep putting doctor in front of everything. How do you just call me Mohamed, please? Uh, so, tell us uh, ba- uh, your background a little bit. Okay, so... Um I graduated from the American School of Kuwait in 2014, mm-hmm. and uh, I continued my undergraduate work uh, in Kuwait University's Faculty of Medicine. Mm-hmm. It's a seven-year program. I graduated, and then I started my trainee year mm-hmm. in uh, Amiri Hospital, mm-hmm. and I'm an assistant registrar now in the internal medicine department at Amiri Hospital. And fun little story for me. Um, so imagine me fresh out of Manchester, coming to Kuwait and I come into Amiri Hospital, I'm really nervous. I'm looking around confused, okay? And suddenly I just look off and I just see, is that a Mohammed? Because I went to ASK as well, yes. the American School of Kuwait. Um, and I was very, very lucky to have a Mohammed uh, right there. He was an essential part towards easing me into Amiri. And I'm not saying this just to be nice to you. It really, really, because uh, it was just nice to have a, f- a friendly face. Now, a little word of warning. I think you might want to bring your mic up a little bit closer up towards you. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. You're good. Yeah, <laughs> good. What's the worst sure. that can happen? It falls. Adi, thought. So, uh, Mohammed uh, was the one who mentioned to me that this would be a great topic for him to speak on. Can you tell us first, like, why why do you think this is the topic for you, that you wanted to uh, come and talk about this? Okay. Um, <coughs> so... After I graduated from uh, the Faculty of Medicine, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to get things up to speed as fast as possible. Sure. I didn't really want to uh, wait to um, like apply to to the universities in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just that, that kind of person in general. I'm always uh, looking for the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was also afraid that I might, you know, uh, not uh, uh, be on time with the uh, exam dates or I wouldn't sign up early, early enough. I'll just keep pushing it mm-hmm. uh, forward and forward until like I'm two or three years into into my work and I still don't have a, a clear plan or, or, or I'm not a resident anywhere. So uh, since Canada has been my goal for many years, I just, you know, I wanted to get things up to speed, as I said. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I found a few ways to optimize my trainee year to make my my application as as best I could or or the most fitting for my situation because most people 
you know apply when they're assistants yeah. so that experience factors in it's a, it's a also it's always a positive for the admissions bo- board really abroad yeah it is the earlier the better uh, actually uh, the, not the more experience but mm. when you're an assistant you always have that edge you you've been you know also oh, it's better been to apply two as years. an assistant I, actually i found some universities uh-huh. uh, they asked me that question oh, in the cool. interview yeah they said why should we take you you're still a fresh graduate there are other people who have experience under their belt that's actually interesting because i heard that it was the opposite you want to get it they want fresh graduates at least that's what i heard for the u.s i don't know if it's different for can maybe it's, it is it, that, that's the rule of thumb but then for, for some universities but there mm-hmm. are others who actually look for uh, you know experience oh. so i wanted to i mean it makes sense logic yeah it does it does yeah, to yeah. be honest but i i wanted to fill in that gap that mm-hmm. I had or that disadvantage mm-hmm. by optimizing my trade year or making mm-hmm. the most out of it. So I, you know, I devised the plan and it worked perfectly for me. Looking back, do you think you had a successful training year? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, I flipped my schedule around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in, in rotations alone, basically, you know, you know what they say? Uh, try to start with medicine and then yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone goes to pediatrics and then everyone goes to surgery and then mm-hmm. everyone. So, the delegation of tasks is a lot easier. You have, you know, four or five people in one unit with you. Mm. So the division of cases is, is a lot easier. You know, you have uh, less of a workload. Well, the, the counter to that, do you think that kind of going with the flow of traffic um, helps in terms of like maybe studying for ex- your exam? Oh, yeah, like definitely, definitely, okay. definitely. But, but I, you know, I, I escaped that trap if you will by mm. um taking my exam right after i graduated oh so you took re- fresh out of med school yeah exam. I, I graduated in july of 2021 and okay. i booked my exam for the 8th of november oh okay and then when did you start working i started working on the 14th of september actually okay so you were yeah pretty much right now. okay yeah okay. I, I wanted to so so the idea behind it was obviously once i graduate i have like a week like 10 days break Mm -hmm. after graduation then I start studying Mm -hmm. and I also wanted to work early so I can you know get my recommendations in line right right so I kind of got the best of of both opportunities if Mm -hmm. you will however Mm -hmm. the disadvantage for me was I had to work twice or maybe even three times as hard as other as my other colleagues I mean I I guess it pays off it paid off yeah like in surgery I was maybe the first two weeks I had a few other trainees and then towards the last two months mm. it was it was just me and like one other person and so i would see like 31 that cases in the weekend <laughs> yeah. it was it was um like i wouldn't say that i um enjoyed any of it it was mm-hmm. really tough for me mm-hmm. uh, however it did make me a, a better physician that's interesting so because you didn't enjoy it I I know I did obviously I didn't no no one really enjoys that that big of a workload that unnecessary sure. workload especially mm. when people finish the rotations and they tell me mm. we only saw two or three cases a day for example yeah and I have to end up seeing thirty one in a weekend round so that's not fun thirty one yeah there was one weekend and you round. wrote all the notes I wrote all the notes by hand by hand yeah. vitals are best huh. Lala. <laughs> Lala. I, I worked uh, really hard to make sure that all my notes were, you know, the end patient safety is uncompromisable. Right? Mm. But uh, that's really a, admirable. A, uh, it really is. Yeah. But, but as, as I said, uh, or as I was saying, um, it wasn't really, 
you know uh, a nice ex- like like a, a comfortable experience for me mm. however i just had to i had no other choice i had to push through it yeah yeah you know? and, and in the end it made me a, a better physician because uh, my 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 stamina increased mm. i get you know i have the advantage of of me being able to to absorb a higher volume of cases mm. at such a very young part of my career or the beginning sure. of my career you know sure and now okay so i think it's uh, easy to say that uh, trainee year is essential for all physicians and for all uh, like for all fresh graduates yes. but what would you define as trainee year not just first year of medicine but like what is trainee year to you uh, okay uh, so like there are essential things that you pick up very early on in your career, like mm-hmm. writing a good progress note, mm-hmm. taking a good history, mm-hmm. uh, getting into the habit of examining your patients. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you miss these crucial details mm-hmm. or these crucial skills, as simple as they may be, mm-hmm. um, you will get into the bad habit of not seeing patients every day mm-hmm. or not writing a complete note or not looking at all the labs on time. Mm-hmm. Or ordering and forgetting, or not following up plans. Right. Uh, it's these habits. If you pick them up very early on in your career, mm-hmm. it's just going to be automatic for you, and you don't have to, you know, the, all of these essential skills you just carry on with you within the next year and the next year. And then when you go in, into the board as a resident, mm-hmm. um, which I'm going to be in, in June, inshallah, mm-hmm. I have all of these, you know, these skills that that I've gained as as a trainee. So would you say that trainee year the main the main thing you want to take out of it is to build these basic skills? These basic skills that you should already have. Mm-hmm. You want to um, you know just build on them, mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. them a part or of of your fabric as mm-hmm. a physician. Yeah, and uh, just absorb everything around you. Mm-hmm. Just use that time because you're you're a trainee at the end of the day. Yeah, no one really scolds you for any mistakes or true. Or, or they just, you know, uh, it's in the name, mm-hmm. you know, you're a trainee. So and try and absorb as many experiences as you can, learn from your mistakes, mm-hmm. be honest with yourself, and mm-hmm. take constructive criticism. Now, one thing, uh, I'm not trying to demean my fellow trainees here, but I think it's it's fair to say this. It's very easy to sometimes fall into this feeling of, like, you're just a glorified secretary, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we wake up, we check the labs, we write a really good note, well, we should be writing a really good note. Yeah. Um, we're going examining the patient. We're writing that down. We present it, and then they go write, do A B C D E, stamp. Okay, you but know? yeah, but that's what you make it to be. Okay. Your trainee is what you make it to be. Uh, in my medicine rotation, mm. I was given the freedom to to manage True. my patients, especially yeah. during the on calls. Especially that's during the, the on calls. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's the best time you mm-hmm. learn because you're practically alone with with the assistant and if you're if you're good enough they they leave you to to manage patients alone not because they don't care or they're (laughs) lazy it's just because you know they're trying to they're trying to give you your freedom Mm. your workspace yeah and uh, i really really did benefit from that even in in rotations where you know i i don't want to be a surgeon Mm. but during my surgery rotation i was actively managing my patients now, okay, this is not on topic with this, but I just I really want to ask: Is it true that if you're in surgery, you gotta tell them that you like surgery? It doesn't matter if you like or dislike. I, did, I actually the very first the very first 
like sentence mm. that came out of my mouth as they asked me they told me do you want are you interested in surgery and i said i have i've applied to internal medicine in canada i'm just <laughs> waiting for my acceptance <laughs> and they didn't really care Okay, so they they That's still like you. That's a good thing. Yeah, they okay, don't okay, really okay. care. That's good. That's yeah. good. Uh, that was one fear I've been no, having. Just, yeah. just be honest with them, and they'll be fine with. You, don't worry. And uh, you know, going going throughout your trainee year, uh, I wanted to ask you: Was there any any habits that you picked up that are like unique to you? I don't mean like, um, oh, I study five hours a day, blah blah. But I mean, is there any habits that helped you that you say that are kind of unique to yourself versus other people? Um, I wouldn't say something that makes me unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, every person has their own experience mm-hmm. in their training year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that the fact that I flip my schedule around to to compensate, as I said, mm-hmm. taking two ICU electives mm-hmm. before I uh, apply in, in, in June, it was, I think, or July or something. Before yeah. that, I had to get my, my two ICU electives down so I can get recommendation letters. Uh, that experience in and of itself has put me through so much, mm. you know, work and and, and experience that uh, maybe that would set me aside from from mm. the other trainees. Other than that, it, it is what you make it to be. It's your own experience, you know. And in terms of like uh, flipping your schedule around, who do you think? Okay, so I th- it was a plus for you. Do you think there's uh, people that it's not good for? Like you, they shouldn't be doing this. Um, again, it, it's just you and and your goal. I mean, I mean, some people would think it's unnecessary that I even apply during my training year. Why would you? Mm. You know, most people wait until their assistants to apply. So yeah, why yeah. would you do that? I didn't want to wait, partly because I know that the the fellowship that I may pursue in the future is going to take seven to eight years. Seven. Yeah, I I, I want to be a, that, a, that a, a an interventional <laughs> uh, <laughs> cardiologist. <laughs> Is, is is my my plan A, and that takes mm. at least seven years, maybe even eight. Wow! So I was thinking, if I go abroad, and it takes me eight years, do I want to come back when I'm thirty four, thirty five, or when I'm thirty nine? Like these these two or, or, or three years, mm-hmm. to me may make or made a big difference or factored into my decision to apply early. Yeah. There are other people who just don't care and that's that's you know that's fine yeah. they, they feel like why should i put myself in unnecessary stress true true uh i mean th- that's another thing is um what would you say oh my god this coffee is just spilling all over the place you know what hold on <laughs> clean this you up. can edit that out right oh no we'll keep it it's fine <laughs> keeps it juicy keeps it <laughs> fresh for those of you who are just listening to the audio my coffee is literally spilling every time i'm drinking it and it's annoying me that it's messing up the the table so there we go um i'm gonna hide the, the tissue from the, the shop though <laughs> um okay so getting back on track here um what would you define though as um, a negative trainee experience if you slack off, mm. um, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be let off the hook. Mm. And there are some people who, who end up repeating, you know, two weeks. Now, do you think that in Kuwait we have um, a, a sufficient system in place to kind of catch people that, let's say, they're not doing well as trainees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think we have a good? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the attendings, the seniors, the consultants—they mm-hmm. all ask. Mm-hmm. Every day, and you said it. Uh, 
we present during the rounds. We're the ones presenting the cases. We're the ones writing the notes. We're the ones following the the plan, or we're, mm-hmm. we're the ones who are expected to follow the plans. That's another thing. I, you know, I I sometimes wonder what makes a good trainee because um, there was a lot of times. I think for me as a trainee, I've been very confused as to whether am, am I am I doing this okay? And then sometimes you'll hear the opposite. You think you're doing something badly, then they're like, "No, you're doing well." And then you do something well, and then a month later they're like, "Oh no, you are horrible." <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, th- th- then again, um, if you're struggling mm-hmm. or if you feel like you're lost, that's the that that's the moment where you learn the most. But then what? Okay, what do you think is the role of the as- your assistant in having a positive trainee year? Uh, you mean uh, like well, as a trainee, what? What, what a good assistant would yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- they're there to guide us and, mm-hmm. and if you have a good assistant your rotation is going to be very smooth uh, do you think that a good assistant is essential in building the core skills of a trainee yes mm. uh, the the assistant that was with me in my medicine year who ended up who, who ended up being a very close friend of mine is the one who actually taught me many things in the beginning of my rotation mm-hmm. and they're they're not only there to, to teach you uh, just the basic skills, they're also there to give you, you know, like a safety net. Mm. I'm going to make a set decision. What mm. do you think? They're, they're going to say, you know, mm. go ahead. Yeah. I'm there if you need anything, you know? Like uh, if there's a critical case in, on an, in an on-call. Yeah. And you go there, you do your assessment, you call the assistant, you tell them, I want to do this. And they give you the green light. Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, as I said previously, a, a trainee's you know, th- they get um, scolded for for negligence, but if you make an honest mistake, no one's gonna. It's not. It's not you mm. who's gonna. You know, who's gonna uh, face a consequence. Yeah. It's the person directly responsible for you who's the assistant. You know, mm. like if a trainee makes a mistake in an on-call, they don't uh, get the blame for it. I mean, I feel like it's important to bear in mind that us trainees, we're gonna be assistants next year. Exactly. And th- Yanni. One thing that I like to think about is, you know, what are the things that I I need? What do I like? What do I, you know, what feedback would I like? Mm-hmm. And the next year, I want to take that forward as an assistant. Yeah, so you have to listen to, to constructive criticism, mm-hmm. take it on the chin, learn from your mistakes, and also try to try to help others. Like if you you've you've been in a rotation for a month, mm-hmm. and they have a new trainee mm-hmm. in that rotation, help them. Okay, it takes. You know, it's going to take you a long way. Uh, you know, when I was talking um, to uh, Dictola Maryam at Fahed about, you know, um, you know, uh, team and whatever, she says that one of the most essential things is also the team that you're in. Yeah. And that relationship, that bond. Yeah, that team dynamic is mm-hmm. everything. It, it, it gets, you know, if you have, a, if you have potential, mm-hmm. it's a good team dynamic is going to bring out that potential no matter what, no matter how difficult the rotation is, mm-hmm. no matter how many people you are. Mm-hmm. No matter how complex the cases can get, mm-hmm. if you have a good team dynamic, it's going to be smooth sailing. And what was the most useful um, rotation for you? Oh, medicine, obviously. <laughs> okay, why? Because um, I, it, it's the only rotation I feel where you're given um, as much freedom as you can handle. Okay. Um, if you're a serious uh, trainee and you show them that you have... Uh, not just, I'm not saying that you have a lot of knowledge, but you have, you know, basic skills, basic knowledge, uh, just enough, 
you know, independence, uh, honesty, uh, just a good work ethic, they're mm-hmm. going to give you as much freedom as you want. So, I, as I said, during the on-calls, if mm-hmm. there was a critical case, I would, after the first month, I was seeing them alone. Okay. That that was nerve-wracking for me, but how, how else are you going to learn? Mm. You know? And as a trainee, um, one thing that I... This is my personal philosophy. I don't know if this applies for everyone. But I've always had this thing of, like, I trust the process. So, like, I know that there's going to be a lot of times that I make, uh, honestly, uh, a fool of myself. Uh, Like, um, I don't know if I ever told you this story. Um, You know, I was with my senior, and he asked me about, he was just, you know, asking me a question about uh, on-call. He was just trying to quiz me a little bit. You know, patient is calling you about... uh, the patient is uh, desatting. What, what do you do? And uh, I think you recall, like I spoke to you about this earlier, and I and we, you know, we t- I talked about it. I answered correctly. I even handled the patient correctly. Then I went to my senior and I said the exact opposite of what I just did, like an hour ago. That's fine. That's my question. Is it fine? Yes, it is. You get nervous, so what? But my 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 thing is is like. I know a lot of trainees that they just get so worried about looking good. Their image? Yeah, their image. Okay. Um, You're right to an extent Mm -hmm. that it may sometimes reflect poorly on you Mm -hmm. if you, you know, answer uh, incorrectly or or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the only validation you need is from your patients at the end of the day. Okay. That's literally the only thing that matters. If you, if you, like um, treat someone or you see someone every day you don't have to be actively managing them I'm mm-hmm. not saying you put the entire MR12 mm-hmm. by yourself mm-hmm. but if you're the one who's seeing them every day you're trying to actively manage you're trying to communicate effectively effective communication that's the single most important the way you speak to your patient mm-hmm. the way you listen to your mm-hmm. patient is the, the single most important thing okay. if you can do that very early on you're going to be an amazing physician no matter what your specialty is. So if you get valid, if, if if at the end before they're discharged, they're, before they're discharged, they say thank you or they remember you or they even, you know, you don't look. It's such a good feeling. Uh, that's literally the only thing that matters because you're just temporarily there. Mm. If your senior doesn't like you, if your consultant doesn't see, you know, uh, doesn't see you as a good trainee or whatever, doesn't matter. So yeah. what? I mean, true. <laughs> yeah, you're just there for four months and then you're gone. Question, though, do you think that this image, I think one thing that I've been worried about is if this image continues for the rest of your life. So, like, let's say you're a horrible trainee. Let's say you're just the worst. You pick up your act, you get, you hit the books, you're great. Okay. Now you're the best doctor, okay? Yeah. But do you think that one day, like 20 years in the future, you're always going to be like, you, go, you have your clinic and then they're just like, ah, I knew that guy, he was horrible, don't no. go to him. I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, because um, we all, you know, progress at some point. If we're if we're working hard, we have to progress at some point. So in 20 years' time, if you were a poor trainee, mm-hmm. the consultant isn't going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was, he was a horrible trainee. Yeah. Because then again, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the only thing that matters is your, your, your patient's outcome mm-hmm. and what they think of you. Now, what do you think, you know, in terms of consultants judging us, what do you think about the uh, consultants that, there are some consultants that scold a lot, some that don't scold a lot. What would you, what, what do you think? It's a good thing, a bad thing? 
they're, they're all unique in their own way. Um, I personally don't, that never really bothered, it never really bothered me if there was a, you know, a really difficult consultant. It's the way that I approached it was, if, I, if there was someone obstructing me, mm. or if there's someone in front of me, mm-hmm. and they're trying, they're not, obviously, it's not on purpose, it's just the way that they are. Yeah, yeah. They're not just difficult with me, they're difficult with everyone. Mm-hmm. So I I try not to go through them. What do you mean? I mean, I don't f- face them, you know, I don't take it personally. Because okay. where's that going to get me? At the huh. end of the day, there's an evaluation. So I try to find a way to go around them. Mm-hmm. You know, I like avoid interactions where I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unnecessary interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep my head down fly under the radar mm-hmm. and then I just you know make it out of there but what would you advise for trainees that nece- let's say they disagree with the management plan um, there's actually a, a well working system for that uh, mm-hmm. it, it's standard everywhere okay uh, you you respectfully approach them that's the first underline thing. respectfully respectfully <laughs> approach them who you know the consultant yes oh, okay. if, if whoever's doing the wrong basically sure you don't want to go to someone else like if consultant a put a plan that you don't agree with you don't want to go to consultant b and tell them hey consultant a mm-hmm. because then that's hearsay okay they don't yeah it, it just doesn't look well yeah so what you do is first of all understand that they're a, they're a consultant so they have at least 20 years of experience under sure. their belt so sure. they're I'm not going to say there has to be something, but maybe seven or eight times out of ten, there's something that you don't see. Yeah. So you search it. You open your, your resources up to date or whatever mm-hmm. whatever you use. You make sure mm-hmm. before you go, <laughs> and you respectfully speak with them and, and, and try to, when you open that conversation, put it in, in, in question form, like you're mm-hmm. inquiring about it. Uh, well, I read them. That's not the way that you do it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And um, yeah, if they if they agree, then they agree. But if they don't agree, as long as the patient's safety is not compromised, yeah. So if they're if they're giving the wrong medication, then mm-hmm. you escalate. True. If if they don't listen the first time, I mean. Now across the specialties in your experience, are consultants generally good about hearing this, or not necessarily always? Uh. Actually, yes. and especially in medicine well this is a good reflection of kind of the culture of Kuwait in terms of medicine yeah um because you know i i I forgot where i was reading this but like back in the 70s 80s the the hierarchy system in medicine you know not in Kuwait i was reading this about like the states the hierarchy system really impeded communication you know oh yeah yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, there is still a hierarchy system here. Yeah. And you have to, you know, at the end of the day, consultants' orders or mm-hmm. seniors' orders or whatever's orders, mm-hmm. whoever's orders, they they have to, they have to be implemented. But if you disagree, you can have an, a respectful, open conversation with them, mm. and you actually might learn something out of it. And the hierarchy system is a is a good thing as well. Yeah. I mean, it protects us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, yeah. Yeah, you're labeled trainee. A reason, you know, do you, you think? Just, what do you think of the label, though? Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't like the word training. Why? I don't like, oh, I don't, tra- I'm training to be a doctor. I thought that was med school. No, you're training. You're training in the system. 
it's a system at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess. So I, I like it. Intern sounds good. Inter- or, or you know, you know, no. I'll tell you my favorite one. Uh, either Foundation Doctor, the UK, so I'm a little bit biased. Okay, okay. that's where I learned Foundation or Junior Doctor. Yeah, I mean, junior is the umbrella term for assistant and and assistant. Just do not call me baby doctor. No, no one's a baby doctor, really. My own mother has (laughs) called me a baby doctor several times. (laughs) And she's like, so do you prescribe medicine? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) there are certain things you can (laughs) prescribe laws of training. True. Like true. Exactly. true. 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 Um, now, one thing w- before I got into training year that I was advised a lot about, and I'd love to hear your take on this. <clears throat> there was a lot of, and I- if I have to collate all the advice that I got, okay. there was a lot of advice I got about the social side. And to be honest, it sounds extremely toxic. I'm not going to lie. That, that This was, again, this could be wrong. I have not ha- felt this, okay? But there was a lot of talk of don't tell anybody you're doing this research, don't tell anyone you're doing that, uh, be careful who you speak with, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that it's not actually that deep? Like, we need to just calm down yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I haven't faced that. Hmm. I was open about my, my goals. I was, you know, I told everyone that I'm applying. Hmm. I told everyone my Canadian score. It wasn't a secret, mm. you know. So uh, I didn't really feel that. And uh, again, it depends on who you make friends with. But do you think that the the social kind of environment of Kuwait for medicine, blah blah, do you think it's very welcoming? Do you think it's, it's yes, okay. definitely. Okay, definitely, definitely, because it's it's in our culture, anyways, to be you know affable and approachable and, and friendly, and working together is just you know. It, it applies within the domains of the hospital and outside. I mean, this is a good thing that you're mentioning this because honestly, the, for, for, I've heard it. It's not from one person that I've heard this, by the way, but there's a lot of people that I've spoken to where it was, there was a lot of this, like they made it very Machiavellian, the way that people, uh, you know, uh, uh, operated in Kuwait. It made me concerned a little bit. I was like, guys, it's don't, fine. Don't, it, <laughs> maybe it's because I was too busy working on myself that I didn't really pay attention to it but I Th- this is an Instagram quote right now by the <laughs> way <laughs> it's in black and white <laughs> motivational music in the yeah, I, I didn't have it's time really to, to, to think about these things you know mm. so I graduate I study mm. I took the exam did well mm. and then I had to focus on gathering uh, all of the recommendations that is well, you know, one thing that people did say, like on a social level in Kuwait, and that I've heard from a few places, is um, uh, especially as foreign graduates, they they said, oh, you know, people in KU, they got their name out there, as in like who they are uh, in the me- in the medicine world, blah blah blah, and they ha- they've done this for many years because the they've been here, mm-hmm. you know, sowing their seeds. We've been abroad. We come back. Nobody knows our face, and this puts you at a disadvantage. No, no, no. it doesn't. No, wh- wh- when when we all graduate and we come back as as uh, interns, mm-hmm. then uh, we're all the same level. Okay. There's no such thing as uh, who am I? I'm just a me- I was just a medical student back th- back then. Now, do you think that th- the same applies for like uh, residency in terms of like you go off and you know maybe people who did their boards in Kuwait have uh, advantage on um let's call it like. At some career networking, blah, 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 level, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, that You could say that 
there is some truth in that. For residency? For residency. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, they're, they've been here for like five, six years working. Mm -hmm. So people obviously know them more than someone who's been abroad for seven or eight years mm -hmm. and then coming back. But um, I'm willing to, to, you know, to take that uh, or to accept that disadvantage, if you will. Mm -hmm. If you see it as a disadvantage, because mm -hmm. I don't, because when you come back or when you finish your board, whether you're in Kuwait or abroad, mm -hmm. your work speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. If all you care about in the end is your patient's well-being and and, and their comfort mm -hmm. and the communication, as I said, communication is key. I've I've heard about this a lot, and I've seen it in, in real life mm -hmm. as a practicing physician. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about the knowledge that you have in here. They just want someone to listen to them and to alleviate their concerns. Yeah. And to be honest with them. Like, I've seen people who are very, you know, um, concerned, mm -hmm. if you will, or very confused or very angry that they don't know what's wrong with them or mm -hmm. they're, they're labeled as difficult patients. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was listen. Mm -hmm. And then they saw me as, you know, the, a, a good doctor or someone mm -hmm. that they want to, to treat them or see them every day just by listening. I mean, that was for me one of the things coming into trainee year was actually accepting that I, I now answer the questions. And that's a huge responsibility. Yeah. So if you don't know something, just say you don't know. You don't know, yeah. Um, I, I still remember the amount of times where, because in med school, I always was very, very it was almost rehearsed now that someone, a patient would ask me a question. I'd be like, well, doctor, this can answer your question yeah, yeah, for yeah, you and they'll come back. There's absolutely nothing wrong yeah. with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong but with that. But the amount of times where in the start of trainee year where they would ask me something, I'm like, D that's fine. Oh, it's me. It's <laughs> People, no, I got I caught off guard, you know. They'll actually respect you more if you if you acknowledge your limits. Okay. If I if I tell them this is not my area of expertise, mm -hmm. like if they ask me an ENT question yeah. about a tracheostomy, yeah, can I uh, downsize the? I don't know. I'll, Let I'll me be, call I'll, the ENT team. I'll be honest though, nothing kills me more when they do this move with me. A and then they proceed, and with, then the they proceed with the same <laughs> question again. I don't blame them sometimes, you know. No, it's true. Like we are seeing, like we again, we were talking about this uh, with Medium. Uh, we're seeing patients at their worst. Yeah, yeah, and, and their families yeah. at their worst. So you're seeing, any? It's probably one of the worst days of their their lives. Mm -hmm. The way you act, mm -hmm. and the way you speak with them, and the the choice of words. Mm -hmm is either going to set a really good impression mm -hmm. and they're not going to forget you mm -hmm. or it's going to be you're going to make their experience even worse and they're not going to forget you for the wrong reasons yeah you don't want that and not to mention that like i think uh, this is at least my opinion uh, somehow another doctor is also going to be annoyed with you because the amount of times where a patient has been like, oh, but this doctor said this, this, and I'm like, oh, just, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's wrong. It's it's don't, you know? <laughs> that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, see, about that, uh, I don't uh, shame other doctors. Oh, okay. If there's something I feel is w was said that was wrong, mm -hmm. I don't call them out. Okay. But I then, just uh, okay, try and explain that, you know, uh, well, that's not how I do it, for example, or there's a better way. But what do you do when it's sometimes something is factually wrong? Because I've I've been in the place where a patient tells me doctor sa said X and it was just uh, it was a falsehood. It was there was nothing true about it. 
And usually, like, I remember this was maybe three months into um, the medicine rotation, my medicine rotation. And uh, up until that point, I do a lot of like, oh, well, you know, and this is from our experience, blah, 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 blah. But I remember I, I had this point that someone said, this doctor said this. And it was a family that was very, uh, uh, they were a little bit difficult in the sense that they had a lot of medical mistrust. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I just had to be firm and just be like, that is factually incorrect. I'm sorry. And I'm assuming that they understood maybe wrong due to maybe communication error or whatever. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I and anyone there. can tell you. Anyone can come up to me and tell me, uh, Dr. Aziz said this. Yeah. And I'll how do like, I know that you actually said that? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it depends on how you explain it to them. You mm -hmm. can say something and they can take it for something else. Yeah. So you always have to be mindful because it will reflect really poorly on you. I, you know, actually, I remember there we had this one patient who... Um, we they wanted to go on a llama, so they wanted to leave against medical advice, and we kept explaining to them the risks of that, and we kept explaining that if you leave, you're gonna have to go through the ER again. We cannot bring you back to your room, for example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were like, "Yes, absolutely, I'm ready to sign." Three hours later, they came back and they're like, "Excuse me, where's my room?" After they signed and they left, they they, they fully left. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> yeah. You told them and. They didn't listen. Yeah, like what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they kept blaming this one uh, poor doctor. Kisar <laughs> Khatri. They were just like, he, he said this to me. I was like, no, I was in the room. No, please, yeah. don't, don't go after him. <laughs> it's fine. It's, um, some, some patients can be difficult in yeah. terms of compliance. Mm -hmm. And again, if you want to maximize their compliance, then you just have to be, you know, an active listener. Yeah. And uh, like sometimes they, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I my very very first patient as a, as a, an intern mm. he was uh, 93 year old who came in with myoclonic drugs okay and we wanted to start uh, Kepra for him mm -hmm. and his daughter refused okay was so he compensmentous or hmm? and he was he uh, um, uh, no no he was yeah he, he could he, he couldn't he didn't have capacity capacity oh my god <laughs> he didn't have the mental yeah. capacity to make his own decision so okay. his daughter was the decision maker for him right they they made her sign refusal mm -hmm. and uh, I went I, I I said to myself let me try at least I want to understand why she she's refusing potentially life-saving medication for her sure. father I mean yeah. she, no daughter wants any harm for her father no uh, so I went in and I and I listened to her and she was into uh, allopathic alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. So I listened to all of her concerns. I remember staying for like an hour. Okay. And then I, after listening to her background and her point of view, I had my re rebuttal tailored to to her situation and her background. Right. So I brought it to her perspective or her level of understanding mm. and she accepted really so if you yeah if you just if someone is being difficult or mm. if someone you know is getting angry or refusing something always try to look for the root cause what do you understand from what i'm telling you and you know as trainees we're dealing with a lot of that it's not necessarily just on the consultants or the regs or the seniors yeah exactly so you have to you know uh, try and uh, get these skills yeah, uh, under your belt yeah. early on and it, it takes you a really long way even if they refuse mm -hmm. 
they'll respect you. Now, one thing about trainee year is that this is, you know, these new ex- these experiences are all stressful. They're really stressful. Yes. How did you keep motivated? Uh, was there anything, did you have uh, sources of inspiration or like, I don't know, a podcast, a book? Is there anything that, you know, if you had a younger cousin who's coming into medicine, you're like, you know what, get this and this will help you push through? The team. Huh. Yeah. I had amazing team members. So okay. when I have a difficult experience, I would go into the office mm. and I would sit down and I would speak with them. Mm. And uh, they were so supportive of me and they would listen to me and they would, you know, just make things easier. If you're, as I said, if you have, if you're in a team with a good dynamic, it doesn't matter what comes at you. Should you be friends with your team? Yes, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand people who say, uh, Keep your work and social life uh, separate. Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's t- uh, touch up on that for a second yeah. because this this does kind of go contrary to you know like what other like some of the advice that I've heard as well, which is you know work is work. The second you clock out, you're done. The, that's not the 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 two don't mix. They're not your friends. They're not anything. I I don't agree with it. I'm just saying that this is something that I've heard. I mean, if I if if I have a really bad experience mm-hmm. and sometimes we deal with life and death mm-hmm. and, and, and an on-call, let's say, even in our day-to-day work, mm-hmm. and someone was there to help me, mm-hmm. like someone, like an assistant or a fellow trainee or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were there with me the whole time mm-hmm. and we go through that experience together, mm-hmm. how, how can I not call them... Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend, basically, yeah. yeah, you know, because we have to sometimes break some of the, the the boundaries to help each other. Yeah, so I don't understand that. That and, uh, you have to separate your your work and your social life. I mean, I have two phones. Yeah, but that's because I don't want the words calling me on my <laughs> on my main phone. Well, that, that, that actually, si- side question: Do you think, uh, in terms of maximizing trainee and whatever? Two phones? No, two phones, definitely two phones. Th- thank you. You yeah. know how much people made fun of me? <laughs> no, 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 you have to. Shout have out to phones. my Manchester friends who graduated with me and all made fun of me. No, you have to have two phones. Thank because you. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're what's up with your friends mm. in, a, in a group mm. and then the world call you. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, the unit group are sending messages or asking questions outside of, you know, on, on like a weekend or something. Yeah. It's your right not to answer answer yeah it's yeah. fine it's your off time it's yeah so my off time is my off time yeah i've uh, i've lost my it, actually this just this weekend I, I i dropped my phone in uh in the car and i forgot about it that's all fine. weekend that's yeah. fine because outside of working hours you're not responsible for what happens yeah yeah in, in, otherwise we'd all just be burned out mm-hmm. yeah uh now uh, one thing that i also wanted to get into was uh defining a good uh, trainee okay we touched up on it a little yeah. bit but on in terms of personal characteristics of um, I think everybody I think it's, it's fair to say that everybody should be w- focusing on self-development we always need to grow as people in yeah. general so what would you say are some characteristics that we should be trying to aspire for as trainees that developing a good work ethic mm-hmm. developing your own system for okay. yourself Something okay. that you're comfortable working with mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you want to do is do also like like actively seeking your interests. Okay. 
for example, I, you know, I took uh, one ICU elective, mm-hmm. and then I went ahead and did another. And mm-hmm. some people are saying, "Why would you do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. It's too much work. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, too stressful for a trainee. Yeah, uh, it's an interest that I developed. So from from that, I've got intubation skills, central line fixation, mm-hmm. ventilator uh, settings, mm-hmm. all of these things." I got any I didn't even finish the first half of my training yet. Mm-hmm. So because I, I was actively seeking my interests, I gained skills that I never thought I would I would gain at such a an early stage of my career. And um, the most important skill that or, or attribute that you have to have in order to be a quote unquote good trainee mm-hmm. is uh, self reflection. Self-reflection. Self-reflection. Just be honest with yourself. You have to know your limits. Mm-hmm. Once you set those boundaries, once you know that I don't know about this disease, mm-hmm. or uh, I need to work on my NGT skills, mm-hmm. or I need to, you know, uh, wh- for whatever mm-hmm. a limit th- 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 that you see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you set that limit, one, you're not gonna, you know, harm anyone, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And uh, two, you're gonna gain the respect of those around you okay. don't think that if you don't know something then they're going to see you as uh, you know not up to par with them or not really? to, no don't because you're still learning so what would you say to people that do judge you shouldn't really care about others opinions because I, mm. once i figured out that the, my patient's view of me mm-hmm. is the only thing that matters mm-hmm. you just forget everything else so what mm. The, whoever my the senior doesn't think that I'm up to level who cares if my patient is thanking me at the end of the day your patient is the priority it's yeah they're they're obviously the priority why do you go to work every day at yeah. 7 30 true any what drives you to be working hard every day why did you go into medicine in the first place well in terms of burnout one of the things that you know uh, I feel like when do- physicians get burnt out, they, they lose sight of what they're doing with patients and stuff, you know? And that's one of the, the yeah, recipes. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they get this. It's a real thing. It's a burnout is a real thing, mm-hmm. and it happens to so many people. You think it can happen to trainees or oh, not too early? Of course. They're the most vulnerable anyways. This is, okay, that's actually a really interesting point. What do you mean? When, when you just start out mm-hmm. and you're, you're being put under so much pressure, mm-hmm. At times, obviously, it's mm-hmm. not. I don't want to scare anyone, <laughs> but if at times you 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 put under so much pressure, you're mm-hmm. not used to that workload. Yeah, you didn't develop that mental stamina yet. Yeah, or that physical stamina. Yeah, I'll give you an example. My first two weeks, mm-hmm. I was sleeping maybe fourteen hours, fifteen hours a day, trying to compensate because I wasn't used to it. I I, I had the same issue. Yeah, everyone does. Mm-hmm. And then. Well into my trainee year, mm-hmm. I can pull off 36 hours. 36? 36 hours. <laughs> and I'm fine. Yeah. When I go home, I just crash. Crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the any, especially in the beginning, mm-hmm. because you don't, you didn't really develop that capacity yet, yeah. that's where burnout can hit you. That's actually really cool that you mentioned this because, uh, you know, for me, I always think burnout is... Um, it's a, it's a time thing. Burnout happens like 
I I I disagree. Yeah. The more experience. It, that, you that, have. that actually that's true though. It can You're hit right. anyone, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, generally speaking, especially in medicine, mm-hmm. the older you grow mm-hmm. or the the higher up the ladder, mm-hmm. the less time at work. True. You put it. Like a consultant isn't with you in the hospital during the uncles. Yeah. They no. just come and do their evening round and go home. Now, in terms of um, burnout for trainees, uh, do you th- we don't we don't technically get vacation, right? Or yeah, do you we? do. After the first six months, you Wait, have what? like a month. Wait, what? You can take a month off. You sure. didn't know that? No. After the first six months. Uh, Sorry, you're capturing a live reaction here. You have this you made have me really happy. I was. Yeah, <laughs> I got strapped in I for a year. I took twenty six days off. What? Yeah, I took twenty six days. Okay, off. what about the six months after that? Uh, well, the first six months, you're not allowed to take a vacation. Sure. It's unpaid leave. Hello. Fine. After the first six months, you're free to do what you want. Okay, and then how much vacation do we get? Like, what's our, like, it's within a days. year? 30 days. Uh, you're not allowed to take more than two weeks off in a single rotation. Okay. And uh, you have to complete, I think it was like two-thirds if it's a month, like pediatrics or OBGYN. Mm-hmm. You have to, your maximum is one week. So what I did was I took the last two weeks off of surgery. Okay. And then I just continued until I completed 26 days. Then I started my next rotation. So I took time in between. Okay. So uh, no one told me I couldn't do that. Now, you know, uh, give me some advice on this. Um, in, uh, in terms of uh, vacation time, do you recommend people using uh, that time to go for electives? Or it, there's this... this, this you, you know, you're bouncing between two things. On one hand, you want to rest. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you don't rest, you're not going to be able to function. You have to, to, function. You have to rest. You but have then to. at the same time, if you want to go off to, for example, the States, they do like that clinical experience there. I already took two electives at the time. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that uh, I was, you know, I felt inclined to take an elective in my month off. Mm-hmm. But you have to take a proper vacation annually. Okay. It's essential because when I came back, I felt refreshed mm-hmm. and I was ready to, you know, uh, start again. So vacations are, are a must, a proper proper vacations. But what, uh, what about COVID doctors like myself who all their electives got canceled? <laughs> because uh, of, uh, you can take them in your training. It's fine. I, I mean, I took many electives mm-hmm. in, in back in medical school. I didn't mention them in my CV. I only mentioned that I took to ICU electives, by the way. Huh. Do you think, uh, from from what you've heard, do you th- does that apply for also the States, UK, wherever, or is that... Uh it, I think it applies mm. to the others. Mm. I mean, what's different from... What makes what sets them apart from Canada? They're all, you know... Within the same network. Within yeah. the same, yeah, standards, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just put my electives, and my CV was only two. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I want to take a quick pause here, yeah. um, and then when we come back, I do want to talk about um, uh, just making the best out of trainee year, the clinical side, the CV, the applications, all of that. So we're just going to take a quick pause. Uh, you guys listening are not going to feel it, but for us, we're going to feel it right now. Uh, just, uh, yeah, be right back. And we're back. So uh, getting back into uh, trainee year, making the best out of it. Uh, I wanted to break down into like three areas, like how to make the best out of these three areas for trainees. Number one is clinically, like how do we make ourselves a better doctor? Does that include changing the schedule? Does that include seeking out certain programs? I don't know. Uh, 
Um, next is our CV, mm-hmm. how best to build our CV during trainee year. And then the last thing is our applications, like exams, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to start with? Clinically, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, it's best to start off by um, binding yourself to the uh, medical ethics. Okay. Um, we read them and we understand them in, in theory, mm-hmm. but when you are practicing mm-hmm. uh, every day, mm-hmm. Takes you a very long way when you when you apply them. Okay. Try to be uh, self-aware mm-hmm. of the limits and the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Try to be patient-centered. Mm-hmm. Always try to involve your patients in the decisions that you make. Okay. They have to know what their diagnosis is. Ask them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's You'd be surprised. Some of them don't actually. I, I in my experience in Kuwait yeah. growing up. Um, and I remember feeling this in med school. I was like, I have no idea what illnesses I have had in my life. You don't know. Some 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 people don't don't really know, or it's not really. I've not been told. Explained to them in layman terms. Yeah, I mean, uh, I once um, uh, ASK. Remember the? I don't know if you graduate at this point, but the, we had a service trip to Vietnam. I was yeah, I wasn't there. No, yeah, so NHS uh, service trip to Vietnam. We helped um, build a, a house for. Uh, um, in a rural community we helped build the house anyways uh, once we finished doing that and it was time for a little bit of sightseeing a little bit of cultural exploration I got sick uh, fever everything I was totally out of it like uh, 10 days of my life I don't know what was happening in and out in and out and then I came to quit I just remember they're like mm, okay come here and then they gave me nebulization blah blah, blah for like a week <laughs> nobody warned me that salbutamol was going to make me pass out so <laughs> Like, you know, like shaky, yeah, whatever. Shaky. I'd get to the car and I'm just like, oh no, what's happening? There's, yeah, but it's, <laughs> There's uh, an example, it, yeah. Try to, to let them know what they have. Mm-hmm. Tell them how you're going to treat them. Yeah. Explain the possible side effects, mm-hmm. what they should expect from their hospital stay. Right. And always discuss the goals of management. Oh, okay. If someone is really sick, okay. how far do you want to go with management? If mm-hmm. someone is 98 with METS, mm-hmm. do they want to be... F- you know, do they want the whole, you know, full active, as they say? That's mm-hmm. their right. You know, it's their right, what what you put in their body. Yeah. yeah. What medications you give, oral, IV, NGT, intubation, all of it. Mm. And if they refuse, then you have to make sure that, that they have the mental capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they make an, an informed refusal, then that's out of your hands. Yeah. So that, that's, that's one, one thing that you have to keep in mind. And it takes practice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be an expert in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. That's one part. Another part is read around your patient. What do you mean? If you diagnosed someone with, like, last month we diagnosed someone with neurocystosarcosis. That's a... That was a, that was a bit of a <laughs> long word for me. It's basically a, a parasite more who was in the brain. Yeah, <laughs> in his brain. And uh, we, you know, uh, I didn't really know the management exactly other than albendazole. I knew mm-hmm. it in theory. Mm-hmm. But there were some things that, you know, you had to do uh, dosages to get right, mm-hmm. giving steroids beforehand, like one day beforehand. I yeah, didn't yeah. know that. So I went home and I read uh, around my patient. And I'll tell you, there's no better feeling than when, um, like, uh, uh, there was a case of a patient with, um, 
wow, I'm really failing to prove my point here. But uh, uh, pituitary apoplexy. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> There's no better feeling than when you actually see it on the ward and then you go home and, and you then read about it. you read about it and it pops. Oh, my God. When it pops up in the yeah. new world question and you get it right. No greater satisfaction. <laughs> it sticks. Yeah, yeah. It sticks, and it sticks for a very long time. Mm-hmm. That's how you build proper experience, as as they say. Now, would you say that, um, you know, with a trainee year, you just trust the process, and you're going to get all the clinical knowledge you need, or it's like, no, you got to be very conscious? No, be conscious all the time. Okay. And be wary of the steps that you take, mm-hmm. and understand that what you do now is going to benefit you Later. in the long run, or hinder you in the long run. Mm, true. If you decide to be you know, negligent. Mm. It's not going to be good for you. Mm. Forget about the evaluation. Mm. These are all material things. I'm talking about the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you progress further. Your practice. Your practice. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it goes the same with everything. It's mm. not just medicine, but mm. it's extra important for us because the outcomes have to, you know. Higher stakes. Higher stakes. Higher yeah. stakes. Dealing with hu- we are dealing with human beings at the end. Mm. And obviously, not all specialties deal with life and death. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, prescribing the wrong medication can do harm you know yeah, yeah. or not knowing the side effects of something and that's something else i wanted to talk about mm. when you're clerking mm. and you read mm. like 15 medications mm. there are some things that you obviously would not know mm. because we use brand names here yeah search them yeah. search the side effects yeah uh, that that really helps you and and you know it helps solidify that information in your head mm. Uh, medication interaction and it's mm-hmm. called medication reconciliation mm-hmm. do that yeah don't write something don't be as you said in the beginning where s- secretaries right y- that's what glorified secretaries yeah, yeah. Uh, glorified secretaries yeah. it's just uh, read about these these medications before mm-hmm. you write them on the prescription mm-hmm. one you might avoid a mistake right it could be a near miss yeah okay True. and two you're going to benefit yourself yeah. in the long run mm. And uh, as I said, it's just gonna 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 stick with you. And if I can add on to that, you know, I've actually been in places where I've caught—I'll be honest—small errors, but errors yeah. in medication. Because we're we're all human at the end. Like yeah, if someone is in the casualty, mm-hmm. it gets really busy. Yeah, that's a fear of mine. Yeah, as when I'm down in the casualty and it's mm-hmm. really busy service, mm-hmm. and I have four or five pending cases that I have to see. Mm. Some of them are really sick. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the luxury of really reflecting uh, or taking my time on yeah. some on some of the cases. Yeah. You know, I try my best to strike a balance between making extra sure that you know I'm not harming the patient. This is the proper diagnosis, this is the treatment. But you got to get the job done. I got to get the job done, and yeah. there's a time frame for me because if mm. I take such a long time on one case, then there are other cases that sure. might not be you know. Sure get the proper care that they need mm-hmm. and that's the same here it goes the same everywhere else in the world mm. yeah the hospitals are always busy yeah so that's why a trainee has to make sure mm. that when they receive a patient in the ward they take a proper history again yeah they do their clerking right mm-hmm. they search the medications that mm-hmm. they're prescribing mm-hmm. because it's your stamp yeah and then it's a win-win for everyone you get to learn mm-hmm the patient benefits from proper care. Mm-hmm. And if an error was caught in the ward or if something was missed, the person who was down in the ED is also going to benefit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's 
from a clinical point of view, mm-hmm. uh, that's how I'd say you can maximize your training. And if I could actually add on like one of my own, um, uh, from my experience, um, whenever I went on a ward call in uh, for on-call specifically, I looked that up, what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. And, ju- and it, it, it got tedious eventually, you know, like hyperkalemia, how to manage that I kind of stuff. Just read. Just yeah. read it. It yeah. doesn't take five minutes. It, it really doesn't. No, it doesn't need to be a full like Yeah, don't textbook read the whole up-to-date <laughs> article. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, look at the relevant things, yeah. scan through them. Mm. It's going to stick. It really does. And uh, like I said, um, besides being confident in the on-calls, whatever, trust me, multiple choice questions when you get them right because of it. Such a rush. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. Clinically, that's how we expand. Cool. Yeah. CV. Okay. So, um, I've been personally building my CV ever since I was in medical school. Mm-hmm. I've taken uh, uh, part in, you know, student activities, uh, student elections, uh, medical student association, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. in that sense, I wasn't really struggling in my training year to gather things for my CV. Mm-hmm. However, there are ample opportunities for an intern to build their CV while they're doing their training year. But one thing, though, is that um, I know a lot of people, myself included, you get overwhelmed a little bit by the job, and then you want to take some time to focus on, you know, I want to study for my exams, do the job. And then as you're focusing on that, you're like, oh, my God, now I'm guilty. Why? Because my CV, I'm lacking. I need more research. I need this. First of all, it depends on the specialty that you want. Okay. If you want to get into a really competitive specialty, Mm -hmm. odds are you've been eyeing that specialty for many years. Sure. So by that time, you should have done your job. And you should have taken dermatology electives, for example. Yeah. Done ample research and Mm -hmm. worked hard enough Mm -hmm. to build something uh, that's required for, let's say, for example, a competitive residency like plastic surgery or Mm -hmm. dermatology Mm -hmm. where there are limited seats and everyone wants, uh, there are lots of applicants. But if you're going into a, like, internal medicine, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really... A really solid CV is not not mandatory. I, when I say solid, I don't mean uh, don't do don't go to conferences, don't do volunteer. Yeah. I mean yeah. I mean like it doesn't have to be fifteen pages. Yeah. Okay. By the way, when you apply, mm-hmm. and the uh, description in Canada for in, Canada for Canada. Okay. Yeah. When I applied, I had to cut my CV down around ten pages. Really? They wanted maximum four pages, so I just mm-hmm. put down the most. Uh, reflective biggest achievements that mm-hmm. I've made okay. on my CV. Right. And the most important thing is when you write up your CV, mm-hmm. try and, and build a CV that reflects you as a person. Okay. For example, I really enjoyed uh, getting to know uh, international students. I was really multicultural back then. Mm-hmm. Back uh, in school, school or? Back in school. Okay, back, back in school. In a- a- SK. SK, I've even yeah. lived abroad for some time of really? my life. Yeah. Where? I lived in Egypt and mm. I lived in Bahrain. Very cool. Okay. And I had a few spells in the United States when I was a kid. So. Oh, where in the States? Uh, Seattle. Okay. I was in Seattle for a so while. You didn't like the sun, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm going to Vancouver now. Okay. Actually. <laughs> uh, it's like an hour away by car. Anyways, uh, so. I was really uh, into being multicultural okay, or uh, understanding different cultures mm. and trying to be as diverse as possible. Mm. Uh, I didn't really um, 
get that from Kuwait University because it's a public university. Mm. So when I found out that there was something called the International Federation of Medical Students Associations, which is called, uh, or the acronym is IFMSA. Have Wait. you heard of the IFMSA? No, this is a new one. It's like this, um, it's like the UN for medical schools. No way. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. Okay. And uh, they, Why don't we they, talk about this? They, what? Is, they, what? <laughs> yeah, they, they gather like two general assemblies. Okay, cool. And there's a regional assembly every year. Very cool. Okay. There's like a Middle Eastern regional assembly and North Africa. And then there's a general assembly for all the world. Mm-hmm. Like over 120 countries or something. Mm. Uh, they all gather Very for cool. uh, for a general assembly. Very cool. And it's divided into, you know, the... Uh, professional exchange which right. is like signing bilateral contracts to send students abroad for electives like i've signed with really? japan for example yeah so okay well any medical students listening this is something i really wish i heard of yeah, we had that opportunity so i That's got to so represent cool. i got to represent kuwait i've uh, led a, a, a delegation mm. in egypt we went this is actually like the the like mun this reminds me of mun yeah, in yeah. high school and by the way the drafts that are written same format they go to the world health organization table no way yeah dude this is really cool do do we have something for like doctors like uh, juniors yeah yeah really you can be part of the ifmsa even but i'm a doctor that's fine there are there are people on the board of the ifmsa who are doctors this is definitely something i'm going to look into because uh, that's really cool yeah it was really fun and because i'm i'm like that Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i've had um, you know, I've done some other th- other things that I'm 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 proud of, or I want someone to read them on my mm-hmm. CV. Mm-hmm. But I put that instead, right? Because it said that about me when I was going to interview. Right. They get an idea of who you are, who I am. Okay. You know, so th- th- try and make your CV as relevant to you as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going into internal medicine and you went to a conference for mental health, let's say. Mm-hmm. Don't let people fool you or tell you that you should only put things that are relevant to to uh, relevant to internal medicine. Okay. Maybe I'm an advocate for mental health. Yeah. I want that to be known. So make sure that your CV has all of the things that you want to be known about you. Okay. Doesn't matter if it's a flashy huge achievement or if it's something minor. At mm. the end of the day, it's yours. But so do you make think it yours. the pressure of building that CV during intern year is There's real? Absolutely no. There shouldn't be any pressure. Okay. Because it's unique. Everyone has a different CV. There are no set standards, by the way. Okay. So when someone applies, mm-hmm. we don't even know what the standards are. It, when okay. you apply, it's so weird. When you apply, mm. you think, for example, someone got a higher score than me on a, on the Canadian example. Mm. So you think that they'd get an interview, right? Right. Yeah. For example, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, for yeah. example, I get an interview and they don't. Even though I'm happens. convinced that they're better than me in mm. one, two, three, four, five. Right. You don't know. Mm. So make it about yourself mm. and just put all the effort that you possibly can. Mm. Be the best version of yourself mm. and apply. And what would you say for people that extend out the time before, like they just, they, they, they take a lot of time before applying for a residency because they want to do the exams, uh, CV, whatever. They just want to take their time. Good that's idea fine. or bad idea? That's fine. It, it depends on you. Okay. It really depends on you. My my only um, 
the only thing that I had to work on was mm. my exam because as I told you I was ready when I graduated mm. I already had my CV in, in place mm. and uh, like for example I'm not heavy on research mm. I wasn't really interested in research right so I had a few things about research that are under the research category that mm. I've done I didn't really put them on my CV oh really yeah. interesting I had like something that had to do with pediatrics mm. I was a data collector mm-hmm and I had my community medicine uh, uh, project, mm. research project, mm. that was not published. Yeah, do they care about things that are not published? or no? Depends, again, on the special. Internal medicine yeah. is not, uh, research is not a requirement. Okay. So m- I'm sure like the really competitive specialties, probably, yeah. they could, like ophthalmology, I'm sure that it, it does weigh in. Mm-hmm. But for me, it wasn't really a factor. And I, I use that to my advantage, because I was asked, by the way. Right. They told me. Why? Why not? Or why is your CV lacking in research? Did you honestly, honestly tell them I'm I not was interested? Honest. Yeah, I was honest. I cool. told them it's not really an area of interest for me. Mm. Mm. I I, I could, like. Sorry, yeah. you you could flip that around. By the way, what do you mean? When someone asks you mm. on an interview panel, mm. why don't you have this thing? Why do you need it? <laughs> you can tell them. Oh, okay. I want to use your program to my advantage. Ah. I want to learn how to do research, and that's for okay. example. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe when I go to UBC mm. this year, they're going to, you know, like, like ignite an interest in me about research. You never know. I like the fact that there isn't this ideal, like, I always feel like there's this ideal standard of what we need to be, you know what I mean? To be able to go into residency or whatever. And I like the fact that that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. and not at all. Mm. You don't work around the standards others set for you. Throw that idea out the window. This is quote number two everything, in this podcast. Everything that you do, yeah. make the most out of it. Mm. It's your experience. No one is mm. going to live that experience besides you. I, and I you have to, it's, it's just all collective. Mm. You bring it all together, mm. and then you put it into your application package, and you send it to them. Mm. If they are impressed, that's a good thing. If they're not impressed... What can you do? Do you think it's, uh, to some extent you need to have the attitude of, you know what, this is me and... Yeah. Be honest. They mm. love honesty. Mm. You have no idea how far honesty can can take you. Really? Yes. Mm. They love honesty. They love that you tell them this is a limitation that I have. Mm. I mean, obviously, don't, you know, make yourself look bad. Yeah. <laughs> but admit... Don't put yourself down. But Don't put yeah. yourself down. Mm. Don't cut yourself short. Mm. But let them know that you're self-aware. Right. Uh, I know that I'm not good at this, for mm. example. Mm. Let them know that. Right. If they ask you something and you don't know the answer, like a medical question, mm. right. tell them I'll consult a senior. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's better to be honest about that. Because, than to yeah, lie. at the end, um, that's, I went in with that mentality because mm. I'm there to learn from you. Yeah. yeah. So if I don't know something, you're obviously going to teach me this, yeah. this topic that you're asking mm. me about. Yeah. But had I been in the casualty yeah. or the ward, and I was faced with this situation, and I didn't know. Mm. I'm sure that as an admissions officer, you mm. would want me to to know my limits and call someone. Exactly. You exactly. want me to be because safe. Because it's, it's patient safety in the it's end. It's patient safety. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I heard about applying for residency is that what they're also looking for, in the end of the day, forget all the, the research, blah, 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 blah. They also want to know if someone can be part of their team. Yeah. They don't want to bring someone who's going to ruin the vibe. That's why the interview is going to make you or break you. Mm. If you have a solid interview, mm. 
I personally don't think it matters what you scored, how good your CV is, mm. how good your personal statement. So you think that maybe flawless. the the personal statement, all that, that just to get your l- your foot in the door. Yeah, but it then it's just that the gets you the interview. Okay. The real challenge is how well in the interview do you do? We're actually going to have an episode very soon about interviews. Yes. For those of you listening, this just means that you need to stay tuned <laughs> more for. Uh, seriously, this is actually yeah. on the books where. Uh, gonna have a, a chat about um you know applying for canada uh, canadian residency and yeah. interviews but i i love i love that because um you know i don't think a cv the research scores they don't say the full story the full picture of a person that's true you know and, and they know that by the way mm-hmm. they know that and university when you apply to university they don't do interviews in med school exactly they do. exactly but like undergrad for example like yeah. uh, applying to the states i don't think they do interviews yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, so as I said, mm-hmm. it's your experience. Mm-hmm. It's your CV. Mm-hmm. It's not anyone else's mm-hmm. experience. You get to put all the the things that you've done, mm-hmm. be proud of it, mm-hmm. and apply, and you'll do just fine. Now the next part, applications mm-hmm. for in during trainee years, yes. um, exams, uh, in terms of you know scheduling all of that. What's your advice for uh, applying for exams, all of that okay. in training year? My advice is, because it worked for me, so I'm just going to say mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. take your exam early. Okay. Because one, you're a fresh graduate. Mm. Take advantage of that. Right. All of the knowledge that you're going to be questioned about is at the undergrad level. Yeah. So what what is expected from an, a, a fresh Canadian graduate? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. their standard. And all of the other medical schools all around the world, they all have the same standard. Right. I don't believe that there's one medical school better than the other. It just depends on the individual, obviously. So take the exam early on. Okay. So that when you're done, you can work on your recommendation letters. Right. Okay. By the way, recommendation letters are... I cannot stress the importance of recommendation letters because once they decide or before they decide to accept you, like after an interview, for example... Mm -hmm. They're going to call the doctors who recommend you. Now, here's one of my concerns though for recommendation letters. I think this is less of an issue if you're applying to Canada. Okay. Uh, but more like, for example, applying to the States, uh, UK, et cetera, et cetera. Does it necessarily need to be like someone who's recommending uh, like from that you they're from the their board? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, that's a falsehood. Uh, that's a myth. Can, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay touch up on this <laughs> the single most important thing about any recommendation yeah or what makes a recommendation really shine yeah is the content of the recommendation letter can you read your recommendation letter after they write it for you uh the yes and no ah. yes and no okay it's like sometimes they you know you read it mm-hmm. and sometimes they send it depends on the doctor actually okay but you're allowed to yeah yeah you're definitely allowed because to when i uh, i was you're not going to change anything if they write it yeah you're not going to change anything when i was applying to some programs in high school uh like for like uh, either college or medical programs i forgot a lot of the recommendation letters are like nope they write it you know seeing it just click send they send it not no here they i mean everywhere else you can read your own recommendation letters. It's fine. And do you ever uh, have you been in the place where you had to decline, kind of be like, I'm not going to send this. This is not. No, good. no. Okay. Because I chose the right people. How do you choose the right people? You have to. First of all, mm. the person who's going to write the recommendation letter mm-hmm. has to know, has to see you. 
mm-hmm. has to work with you really closely. Okay. And that has to mean something to you when they give you the recommendation letter. For example, I one of my recommendation letters was from a senior specialist in the intensive care unit. Right. I developed a really uh, close relationship with with this person, and he was really influential mm-hmm. in teaching me and being, you know, a, a mentor for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got the recommendation letter, it was really personal. Mm-hmm. I felt like it's when someone reads it, mm-hmm. they're gonna, you know, it's convincing. Right. That's. I mean, that's that's the whole point of the recommendation. You gotta convince the the admissions mm-hmm. panel that okay, it's not you know, uh, Aziz is the best doctor. Mm-hmm. He's the best medic. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not like a. It's not standard. It's not a template. It doesn't look like a template. Yeah, yeah. It's real, genuine words written by this person. And so they can tell because when, when it's call, genuine yeah, or not. Obviously, and they call the person. Mm-hmm. So be careful. And what if the person doesn't answer? Oh, no, no. They, they send emails. They call. They, oh, okay, okay. Because you have to let them know. It's your responsibility, by the way. Tell them, put your phone number, they might call you. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, uh, Should, do you recommend asking around for the, like, is this person good to get a recommendation letter from? Yeah, yes or no? okay. that's fine. You can you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, as I said, mm-hmm. make sure that the person who's writing the recommendation letter really knows you well, mm-hmm. because it looks really bad if they call mm-hmm. and, and they yeah. forget who you are. Yeah, who's this? Yeah, who? Aziz? Yeah, that that might happen. Uh. That that might happen if you choose the wrong person. Okay. So that was one of the things that I had to get down Mm. and finish from before uh, applying. That's why I took two ICU electives. Do you need to be strategic in your electives that you choose to be able to get this out or not necessarily? Because I saw an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I said to myself that these, these ICU consultants at Amiri, they've graduated from the top schools in Canada. Mm-hmm. So they will obviously guide me through mm-hmm. the process. Right. And they will be really influential. Mm-hmm. Plus I'd learn because in internal medicine they really uh, they really emphasize intensive care in their program. Mm. Uh, even in internal medicine. Mm. So it's a, it was really like a good uh, like like a win-win for me. Mm. You know? Right. So uh, it was difficult. Mm as a trainee especially, mm-hmm. but it was really worth it in the end. I've, I've learned so much from them, even though I had to change my schedule. And then after I finished from the second month of the mm-hmm. ICU, it was just a lot of work after. Yeah, apparently until Kim's are, uh, is not too happy about schedules being changed. Yeah, for that's trainees, yeah. What can you do? Yeah, you you got to do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a question about exams. And this is a personal question. This is something that I'm wondering. So... I, uh, one thing in terms of planning my exams, one thing that I've struggled with is I, a piece of advice I've been told a lot is book your exam when you're ready. Don't go into an exam unprepared. Not, I don't mean unprepared. I mean it more as in don't go when you're not achieving the scores that you want to, whether it's on the question banks or whatever. Um, would you say that this is a, you know, a healthy approach? My issue is that it's to an extent now it's making me kind of always double question. You know, I'm always nervous because oh, yeah. okay. I feel like I'm never, I'm never going to be achieving what I want to. I agree to an extent. Okay. Just don't go into the exam if you don't, if you're not ready. Mm-hmm. But book it. Book it. Especially when you're not ready. Mm. Because when you book it when you're not ready, it's going to instill that, you know. I don't want to say fear, mm-hmm. 
but that sense of urgency that I have to study. Do you think that there's a degree of taking a leap of faith or no? Yes, obviously. Oh, yeah. Because you're going into an exam that's going to test how much medical knowledge, mm-hmm. like medicine, surgery, OBGYN, ophthalmology, ENT, yeah. all of these things, on top of that medical ethics, on top. So it is obviously a leap of faith. You really have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to always you know, uh, keep keep telling yourself, am I ready? Am I whatever? You're never going to be ready. You think so? Yeah, I know so. Right. Because I've seen people keep, you know, pushing, pushing the exam, mm-hmm. telling themselves, I haven't really studied that much. I don't feel ready. I don't feel whatever. I went into my exam, by the way, really scared. Okay. I was really scared because I saw many people around me taking the exam in February, March, mm-hmm. April, whatever. Mm. And I said to myself, well, why am I taking it three so months after I graduate? But I still did it anyways, and it worked fine for me. Well, I'll be right back. Let me just uh, book my exam. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Um, now, you know, thank you so much for all of this. The, I mean, this has been invaluable, like, knowledge. Uh, for me, it's been really eye-opening. Now I, I realize that I have a vacation that I didn't know existed. So th- that alone, um, kind of towards the end of the podcast, uh, one of the things that I like to uh, offer up is: Do you have anything that you want to promote? Uh, Instagram page, anything like that that you want? Perfect. So I'm gonna use the opportunity to promote the Doctor's Brew again. <laughs> uh, so for everyone uh, listening, if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, please like, comment, subscribe. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I don't know the last the w- the YouTube uh, YouTubers at the end that that whole monologue about comment, likes, and just do that. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. I had so much fun. No, it's, the pleasure has been all ours. i uh, had a really, really good time. Uh, and uh, I, I hope that future interns or whatever that are working with you in Canada uh, are just going to be so appreciative because you've made such an impact in my training year. And I can't thank you enough for it. I hope nothing but the best for you. Thank you again. Hope you all enjoyed this episode of The Doctor's Brew. New episodes to listen to with a cup of coffee coming your way every Sunday on YouTube and Spotify. And be sure to follow us on Instagram for all the latest updates. See you next time.